Well, in the name of Jesus Christ, good morning to all of you, whether you're here in person in Estes uh, Chapel or joining us on the live stream from around the world. We're glad you're here, and we pray this is a uh, real meaningful moment in your, in your life. Our scripture today um, is one of the strangest healings of Jesus I think I've read in the Gospels. Um, in fact, this healing is only found in Mark's gospel. Uh, and this passage of Scripture uh, seems to raise more questions than it provides answers. And this can be frustrating for those of us who, are, who have this thirst for knowledge, and we want to know more and more. We read a passage like this, and it's like, what is happening? I can't understand it. So in, in, in verse 22, uh, some, some, some people begged Jesus to touch this blind man. Now, this blind man didn't ask Jesus to touch him or even to heal him. So is Jesus being forced on this poor guy? So I guess we need to ask the question, did the man want to be healed? He probably did. But... Mark's gospel doesn't tell us. So Jesus takes the man by the hand and he leads him out of the village. Now the text doesn't say that anybody else was with them, including those who begged Jesus to heal him. But Jesus takes the man out of the village. Why not heal him in the village? Well, we don't really know. And then Jesus, I guess this is an expanded, amplified translation. Jesus spits into the man's eyes. And he lays his hands on the man's eyes. Seems a bit unsanitary, don't you think? Um, I mean, the people ask Jesus to touch the blind man, not spit on him. But you know, this makes me wonder, when, when, when we ask Jesus to do something for someone or for ourselves, and then God does something else, instead of getting discouraged, maybe we should just trust that, you know, God really does know what he's doing. In, in John 9, 6, there's another incident with saliva and a blind man. But at least in that instance, Jesus spit on the ground and then mixed up a little salve with some dirt to put on the man's eyes. In this situation, for a reason only he knew, Jesus spit on this poor man's eyes and rubbed it in. I mean, if we were having a healing service here today and somebody spit on you... It probably wouldn't go so well for them or for you. They could say, well, it's in the Bible. Jesus did it. So, I don't know, but maybe I asked too many questions. Why didn't Jesus just say to the man, you're healed? I mean, Mark's text doesn't tell us why any of this happened. So after spitting on the man's eyes and rubbing the spittle in, Jesus asks the man a question. He says, 
can you see anything? Now, to me, this is a really strange question for Jesus to ask. I mean, he's the son of God. He already knows. I mean, if Jesus asked anything, you'd think he'd ask, what can you see? Instead, Jesus says, can you see anything? I mean, I know this isn't true, but it almost seems as if Jesus wondered if it worked. Jesus asked a lot of questions in his life, didn't he? Just peruse the Gospels and just count the number of times Jesus asks questions. See, sometimes we feel like we in ministry are the ones who need to give people answers. And I wonder if by asking this man if he could see, Jesus was inviting this man into participating in his own healing. Jesus didn't just say, you're healed. Okay, who's next? Jesus is offering loving dignity to this man. So the man replies, and this is in verse 24, well, I can see people, but they look like trees walking around. And as a nerd, I would love to ask the question if this is where Tolkien got his idea for Ents, but I'm not going to do that today. Don't laugh at that. That is not worth it. <laughs> so this man was seeing blurry. His eyesight wasn't fully restored. It's like he had 2,400 vision or something. Now here we go again. How does this blind man know what trees look like? Was he not born blind? Maybe sometime earlier in his life, he'd lost his vision. Like sometimes we do in our relationship with God. See, losing our spiritual vision can happen so slowly that sometimes we don't even know it's happening until it's too late. And then we wonder why we can't see or hear God clearly anymore. We can have this blurry relationship with God and still know that God's leading us. But we just don't have clarity about what that means. We know we love God. We know that Christ has touched our life, but... As life has progressed, our relationship with God has become all foggy in our minds and in our hearts. We may even know God's called us to ministry, but as time goes on, the clarity of that call becomes muddled, and we wonder what in the world we're doing. So Jesus lays his hands on this man's eyes one more time. Why didn't he spit again? Here I go, asking all these questions. Maybe this man gave Jesus an expression like, uh, no. <laughs> Again, Mark's gospel doesn't tell us. So this time, I love the detail Mark gives us. The man focused his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. 
throughout our lives, we each need the Holy Spirit to touch our lives a second or a third time in order to bring clarity to our lives. See, just like this mysterious healing of this blind man, a life in ministry can be mysterious too, can't it? Ministry is full of unpredictability and unsolvable enigmas. This is an angry, crazy world today. In some ways, we're seeing today a realization of Isaiah 5.20. What used to be wrong is now right, and what used to be right is now wrong. And that gets frustrating sometimes because we, we like to know what's going to happen and when and how. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's because we like to be in control. Did I have to bring up that word? <sighs> See, when we have everything under control, when we have all issues figured out, then what need do we have for God? See, God himself is a mystery. There's no way our brains can comprehend everything about God. Psalm 97.2 states that clouds and darkness surround God. Now, for some of us, that doesn't sound right. I mean, how can clouds and darkness surround God? Aren't we able to see God clearly? because of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives? How can we not see clearly? Well, see, I think there's, there will always be aspects of God we'll never be able to comprehend. Because if we could, then the nature of who God is would be diminished. Maybe we want to know everything about God due to our desire, again, for control. We want to control our lives. We want to control the lives of other people. Maybe we try to control even how God operates in the world. Does your life need a second touch from Jesus today? Maybe Christ has touched your life, called you to ministry, but your faith is still a little blurry. In what ways do you need a second touch from Jesus today? You may have lived your entire life in Christian community. You may be an effective, faithful pastoral leader. But are you living the holy, sanctified, set-apart life God desires for you? Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5 that... He says, may the God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you completely and entirely. Do you have that desire to be sanctified completely and entirely by the Holy Spirit? I mean, this blind man, even though his eyesight was blurry after this spit and touch, he could have said, thanks, Jesus, this is a real improvement. I really appreciate it. This is so much better than before. See, God doesn't want to improve us. 
God's all about transformation. So instead, this man is honest with Jesus, and he shared the reality of his situation. Yeah, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I can see, but everything's blurry. He's honest with Jesus. Why would we ever want to settle for a myopic life in Christ? If you're struggling with that clear spiritual vision from the Holy Spirit. Be honest with Jesus about it. Don't settle for a life in Christ that is less than it can be. You know, our, our look at this mysterious healing of this blind man's almost over. But there's one more interesting verse left, and it's verse 26. We can't forget verse 26. Jesus says something that's a bit of a head-scratcher. It's just another mysterious aspect of this account of Jesus and this blind man. Jesus basically says to this man, go home, but don't go to the village. So, for example, if you live in Nashville, it's like Jesus saying, go home, but don't go to Nashville. And I think there may be a couple reasons, I mean, that, that I could think of. I'm sure there are brighter minds in this room that could enlighten me. Why did Jesus say this? Well, maybe he didn't want this man to tell anybody what Jesus had done for him. Maybe this is why Jesus took him out of the village. See, when the Lord touches our lives in profound ways, many times it's best just to keep these things to ourselves as an intimate gift from God to us. Second, maybe Jesus didn't want this man to go back to his old ways. His life was brand new. The people were the same, the town was the same, but the man was not the same, was he? It's as if Jesus was saying, go home, but don't go back to your life the way it was. See, once we've had an encounter with Christ, we can't go back to our old way of doing things. We have to let go of those influences that, that drive us away from Jesus. Now, I get it. Your encounter with Jesus this summer or this week during class may not be as dramatic as this blind man's experience. But God's always speaking to us. He's always encountering us most of the time through the daily routines of our lives. Many times we just can't hear God because our focus is elsewhere. If you're in need for Jesus to touch your life once again, maybe he's led you out of your normal routine this summer or even this week in class so that he can have this time with you. Now, for those of you who are here on campus for class, in a few days you're going to be going home, back to your regular routines. Yet I pray that you don't go home as the person you were when you arrived here. Because you've had an encounter with Christ. 
You may realize it, you may not realize it. But the Lord has met you, and he is always meeting us. In a few moments, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. And as we share this holy meal, my prayer is that it might be a touch of Jesus on your life that won't improve you, won't improve your relationship with him, but transform you in sanctifying grace. Will you allow Jesus to do that in your life today? Another question. Let's pray. Almighty God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we just sit in awe of you this morning. Jesus, we are so thankful for this encounter you had with this unnamed man whose life you completely transformed, yet in a mysterious way. Lord, each one of us in this room or around the world need a touch from you in our lives. There's nothing that we can do on our own that will strengthen our relationship with you. It's only by your power, only by your Holy Spirit living in us and through us. So, Lord, wherever we are in our relationship with you, we invite you to touch our lives a second time, a third time, a fourth time, whatever it's going to take, Lord, to get through to us. Lord, we thank you for your love for us and for your grace that continues to amaze us. Come, Holy Spirit. Keep us open to all that you have in store for us. We pray this in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen.